Ian Dunt is enjoying a break, so for our UK update, we're joined once again by the CEO of Best for Britain, Naomi Smith. Naomi, the uh, Israel-Gaza war is having its fallout in Britain. Tell me about uh, Andy MacDonald. Yes, well, I mean, like everywhere else across the world, people in the UK are obviously utterly horrified by what is happening uh, in the Middle East at the moment. And as you say, the the impact on domestic British politics has been significant. Um, It is a challenge for both of the main parties, Conservatives and Labour, but more so for Labour. Um, As we're speaking, uh, Philip, actually the, the leader of the Labour Party, tipped, if supposed to be believed to be the next Prime Minister of the UK, is making an intervention right now. He's having to do a speech to try and end what has probably been his most difficult few weeks since um, his his lead over Rishi Sunak solidified. Uh, so, so there have been um, calls from very high profile voices within the Labour Party for a a position from the Labour Party to be for an official ceasefire rather than a pause, which is the official Labour policy at the moment. And that includes mayors of London, mayors of Manchester, members of the shadow cabinet. Um, And then, yes, we have also seen um, uh, within the last uh, 24 hours um, uh, a former shadow cabinet member who is now currently a backbencher uh, be uh, suspended um, from the party. He hasn't had the Labour whip withdrawn, but he has um, had the his party membership suspended while his comments uh, made at a peace rally are investigated. Um, and he said uh, in, in calling for peace at this rally um, that uh, from the river to the sea, we need peace. And this is part of a slogan which some claim implicitly calls for a destruction of Israel. So so that's that's the kind of the mess that, that the Labour Party um, have within their ranks at the moment. Now, Andy MacDonald has tried to put a different spin on that term, hasn't he? He has, yeah. So, um, I, I, as I understand it, the, the the comment is is often used by those that are anti-Israel and and believe that that you know the state of Israel should not exist. His defence is that actually he was trying to use that phrase to say we need peace for both Palestinians and Israelis from the river to the sea. Um, and, and as I say, the investigation is ongoing and I don't know, obviously, what the outcome will be, whether his defence will uh, be accepted as, as as genuine or whether you know he faces suspension from the party more permanently and the whip being removed. It seems only yesterday that uh, Jeremy Corbyn was being accused of anti-Semitism, but he's a former director of strategic communications has described the decision as uh, deranged McCarthyism. Well, the context is critical. So Starmer took over from Corbyn uh, a couple of years ago and throughout Corbyn's leadership, of course, faced um, accusations of anti-Semitism running rife within the Labour Party and being far too sympathetic personally to proscribed organisations like Hamas. So when um, elected leader Starmer spent two years distancing himself from Corbyn, uh, Corbyn himself, of course, expelled from the party in any whiff of anti-Semitism, 
anti-Semitism gets very quickly and ruthlessly dealt with. And, and the context is also worth bearing in mind that Labour, unlike the Conservatives, represent far more urban seats that tend to have higher Muslim populations and Muslim voters. And so uh, the party is walking this very careful line at the moment, allowing some of their representatives to call for a ceasefire, but saying that this does not represent official party policy. Let's look at the hot water on the Tory side because Sunak has had to sack to Tory MP Paul Bristow. Why? That's right. So Paul Bristow wasn't a backbencher. Uh, he actually was uh, what we call a PPS, a, a, a parliamentary secretary uh, in the uh, science and innovation department. Um, and he sort of similarly, um, you know, has, has made comments that, um, uh, you know, calling for a ceasefire that the Conservatives do not adopters their position on it at the moment um and so he was immediately sacked so unlike uh andy mcdonald who's sort of been suspended from the party but hasn't had a whip withdrawn sonak tried to be incredibly ruthless and has just immediately sacked bristow from the government because he called for a ceasefire how has sunak been handling the issue of uk citizens uh, captured by hamas mm. Well, uh, as we understand it, there are about 10 British nationals being held hostage actively by Hamas and another 200 that happened to be in Gaza at the time, including the parents-in-law of Hamza Youssef, who is currently the leader of the SNP, the Scottish National Party. Um, there's reports that Sunak's been working quite closely with Qatar uh, in trying to uh, put pressure on Hamas to release those British hostages. We would assume that quite necessarily a lot of that has to be on the down low, but Having seen some US hostages released this week, we can but hope that all hostages are released soon, including those British ones. Um, so we haven't heard too much overtly from Sunak about it. He has spoken to Hamza Youssef, uh, but but I think that is probably okay that we haven't heard too much overtly because you would hope that these conversations would be happening uh, below the radar. I'm talking to Naomi Smith, Chief Exec of Best for Britain, a regular guest on the uh, Oh God, What Now podcast. Uh, there are also increasing uh, or increased security threats on the home yeah. front. How has Sunak been dealing with these? Well, uh, look, he, he is increasingly authoritarian um, and our Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, perhaps chief authoritarian among them all. She's been roundly criticised for her comments yesterday where she claimed that the mass demonstrations we've seen in the UK over the last couple of weekends calling for a ceasefire as hate marches, failing to acknowledge that the majority were very peaceful humanitarian protesters, understandably concerned by the situation now facing civilians in Gaza and, of course, who also have deep sympathy for uh, civilians in Israel as well. Um, she is very, very authoritarian, but the fact that he tolerates her, that, um, that this government have pushed through some incredibly anti-democratic legislation around our ability to protest in, in the form of this policing act um, is, is very, very concerning. Of course, it's not just in your country. It's happening all over the Western world. Now, Sunak has been in power for a year, astonishingly. He has. And uh, where, you know, he presented himself, as I recall, as a safe pair of hands. 
How has that played out? Uh, well, he came in with five key priorities, Philip. That by the end of this year, and we're only a matter of weeks away from that now, that he would halve inflation, grow the economy, reduce national debt, cut NHS waiting lists, and stop the boats, um, those small boats that cross the Channel from France um, with refugees aboard. Now, on the inflation front, it is down to 6.7% from 10% when he made the pledge, but doesn't look uh, like it's going to be made by the end of the year, that, that promise, because it's been unchanged for the last couple of months. Um, on growing the economy, really very little growth seen at all, expected to be around 0.5% uh, this year. Compare that with reducing national debt down a tiny, tiny bit from 100% to 97%. We're paying something like <laughs> 700 million each month just on interest here in the UK. And look, waiting lists for, for the NHS are just up. They're up, up, up from 7.2 million in January to 7.7. It, it, it's critically awful at the moment here in our health service. And, you know, we've got lots of uh, health workers on strike over, over pay issues. And the boats he will claim credit for, um, but most experts on asylum and refugees say that the, the fewer crossings that happened this summer was because we had such a terrible weather uh, front this summer and we didn't have any kind of lovely British seaside, uh, British, you know, lovely eating ice creams on the seaside uh, with um, th those, you know, <laughs> lovely British scenes that you often see on postcards. We didn't have any of that this year. The channel was terribly difficult to cross. So that probably accounted for the, the less traffic coming over, but nothing really to do with anything that he or Sir Bravman have done on the policy front. Well, we all remember that he promised to govern with integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. Now, has there been any significant change in the polls? There has been a significant change over the last year, but it has not been in his favour. Um, at the moment, if I look back at the polls that have been done over the last month, uh, the Labour lead over the Conservatives is sticking uh, in the plus 20% lead. Um, only a, a couple of rogue polls that I think uh, show anything in the teens. So at a very best guess, he's 15 to 20% behind Starmer and uh, more realistically, he's in the mid to late 20s in terms of needing to play catch up. So it has not helped him. Now, I understand that uh, the dreaded Nigel Farage is still lurking. Mm, he really is. And uh, and he's headed into the jungle soon as part of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Um, we had two by-elections, well, three by-elections actually within the last uh, month in the UK. One was in Rutherglen in Scotland um, because the SNP uh, MP uh, had to resign over breaking COVID lockdown rules. Labour won that with a landslide. And then there were two in England, um, both Conservative health seats and Labour won both of those. And very, very, you know, different seats. Um, Labour now showing it can win in Scotland, it can win in urban seats, it can win in rural seats. So uh, it's really not paying off for uh, Sunak at the moment. But interestingly that you mentioned Farage, because um, what we see when Farage leads the political party, as he did do with UKIP, as he did do with the Brexit party, he's not currently the leader of Reform UK, which is the far-right party in the UK, but he is the owner of it. Uh, if you look on Companies House, he's listed as the owner. If he withdraws candidates 
in marginal seats, that will really help the Conservatives. So he knows that he's holding all the cards and he's even boasted about being leader of the Conservative Party by 2026 <laughs> in recent weeks. So uh, no, he, he has gone nowhere uh, and is, is certainly uh, hanging about like a bad smell, um, <laughs> pulling, pulling the Conservatives ever further to the right. Naomi, today Sunek is hosting a two-day summit focused on AI, including a live video chat with the appalling Elon Musk. This is, I mean, a huge gamble to do an event with such an unpopular figure who is prone to making very bad decisions. But I suppose we have to assume that Elon Musk knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> so, yes, uh, Sunak is desperately trying to find a legacy before being kicked out of Downing Street. Um, and like the, the Californian tech bro, he so desperately wants to be it looks like he's chosen AI. It is, however, already looking like a bit of a damp squib. Other world leaders like Macron and Trudeau and very importantly, Xi Jinping have all snubbed the event. Yes, you've got VP Kamala Harris going. Yes, you've got European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen going and Deputy Prime Minister in Australia, Richard Miles. But um, look, like, like climate change, like security, any agreement needs to involve countries like China. Um, and as they're only sending their vice tech minister, you really do have to wonder how seriously they are taking it. I, I love the theatrical flourish of the location because it's all happening around Bletchley Park, famous, of <laughs> course, for Alan Turing. Indeedy, indeedy. Uh, and yes, and Sunak's going to be interviewed by... Elon Musk on X.com, formerly Twitter, after the event. And he really hates regulation. We all know that sort of gets in his way and his own confused view of free speech. So I'm not sure how Sunak will attempt to create regulation when he's rubbing shoulders with its fiercest opponents. Um, but authoritarian impulses that we've talked about from this government um, we should be trying to welcome them wanting to do regulation, but knowing the Tories, this is probably going to be more about economic regulation and the impact of AI on jobs than it is going to be on the democratic impact of it, how it may disrupt elections, how it may uh, you know, uh, cause the police to be able to make arrests based on more facial recognition of AI and things like that. Um, and, and I'm not holding my breath for anything good coming out of this uh, bro fest. It's interesting in that uh, before I introduced you, our news here on RN included the the revelation that Joe Biden has just signed an executive order to guide the development of AI. So at least he's got his timing right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, maybe um, Elon Musk is going to grab all the headlines, though, uh, even though he's the biggest opponent of regulation. Um, and, you know, he's criticised the Online Harms Act, which was uh, an act created to protect people here in the UK. He's got this really warped view of free speech and desperation for profits now that he's got this uh, debt-ridden noose around his neck that is x.com. It's, it's probably only going to have a damaging impact when attending a conference aimed at creating the very regulation he hates. Good on you, Naomi. Naomi Smith, Chief Exec, Best for Britain and a regular guest on Oh God, What Now? podcast along with uh, with Ian Dunn. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.